You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This course is from our International Catholic University Classics Collection, originally recorded between 1995 and 2005. Welcome to the eighth segment of our talk on the Holy Trinity. In the last talk, I explained as best I could about the origin of the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son, the Word, the image of God, and He's the one who became man in Jesus Christ. Now in today's talk, the eighth segment here, we're going to talk about the origin of the Holy Spirit. Since we're trying to explain as best we can based upon what God has revealed to us in Scripture, and the teaching of the church based upon that, of what we can know about the origin of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes from. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And there's a relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we want to look into that a little bit today, and that's my task for today's talk. We've reflected on the truth that the Father generates the Son by an act of intellect. Now, when we know something, there is a likeness of it in our mind. As I mentioned, you know an elephant, there's a likeness of the elephant in your mind. When you know an oak tree, that oak tree is in your mind in some way, in a spiritual way. The form of the oak tree is in your mind. So also the Father, knowing himself perfectly, produces a perfect image of himself. And that perfect image is the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. That was the basis of our last talk, number seven. We know by faith, the church tells us, the Bible tells us, and we profess it in our creed in the liturgy at Mass, that there is a third person in the Blessed Trinity whom we call the Holy Spirit. Today, most of us are aware of the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the life of the church. Many people now pray regularly to the Holy Spirit. 30 or 40 years ago, that was not the case. That was not so common. At that time, the Holy Spirit was often referred to as the forgotten person in the Trinity. I believe there was a well-known theologian about 50 years ago, I forget who it was, who wrote a book with that title about the forgotten person in the Trinity, namely the Holy Spirit. Now let's admit it to ourselves that it is difficult for us to get a mental grasp on the Holy Spirit. It's hard. We can imagine the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. We have some experience of fathers. We see it in art, Michelangelo's presentation, let's say, of the Father stretching out his hand to the Son and so forth, and we know what a Son is. We can get an image of that, Father and Son, and say, well, God is something like that. But how do we imagine the Holy Spirit? About the best we can do is to picture to ourselves, in one case, a dove descending on Jesus as St. John baptized him in the Jordan River. But we don't think of a dove as a person or as divine. Or we might imagine the tongues of fire descending upon the apostles in the upper room on Pentecost as described by St. Luke in the Acts of the Apostles. But it's difficult for us to attach the meanings of 
person and divinity, personality and divinity to a dove or to a flame or tongues of fire. The latter are visible signs or symbols of the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Take the notion of the tongues of fire. It's the Holy Spirit who speaks through the prophets. The tongue has something to do with speaking. And they talk about the illumination of the mind by the Holy Spirit. So the fire gives light. That's a reflection of something in the Holy Spirit. And the warmth of fire refers to the notion of love or will in the Holy Spirit. So the, the fact that he used tongues of fire to manifest in a visible way his presence in Pentecost indicates something about the nature of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, which I wish to try and explain today. We've already seen that there are two processions or internal activities in God, namely knowing and willing. These are the two activities of all spiritual beings, angels, men, and God. The New Testament and the teaching authority of the church say that the Son proceeds from the Father by an act of intellect. The Holy Spirit also proceeds from the Father and the Son, but the New Testament does not specify precisely how or in what way the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. The common teaching of theologians, great ones like St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas, is that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the will or from the mutual love of the Father and the Son. That's how he proceeds as a result of the love between the Father and the Son is so intense that the product of that is the third person of the Blessed Trinity, whom we call the Holy Spirit. Accordingly, there is a special relationship then between the Holy Spirit and acts of the will, especially the act of love, which proceeds from the will and not from the intellect. So the Holy Spirit then has a relationship to will and willing and love in God. And that's why in theology, the Holy Spirit is related to sanctification, for example, and holiness is because those things have to do with the will and with the love of God. He's said to be the love of God. The Roman Catechism that I mentioned in the last talk from the 16th century teaches that the Holy Spirit, quote, proceeds from the divine will inflamed as it were with love. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the divine will inflamed as it were with love. That indicates the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the will of God and love. The biblical name of the third person, Holy Spirit, or in previous terminology, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. In Latin, it's Spiritus Sanctus. This is a Greek word which means pneuma, which means wind or breath or principle of life. We have that word in English, pneumatic, something that's pneumatic. It's operated by air, pneumatic tires or something like that. There's a P on the front of that, but the P is silent, like in pneumonia. So a pneumatic has to do with breath. So this designates some activity in God. It's a principle of activity. An act of will 
is an incarnation, it's a movement towards some known good to possess it. When you desire something, you want to achieve something, you want to accomplish something, that's an act of will. And it's always directed towards something that's good, or at least something that has the appearance of good. The word holy is in the personal name of the third person, indicates a relationship also to the will. Since holiness resides in the will, it's the desire to conform oneself completely to the will of God. So both words then in the name of the third person, Holy Spirit, have something to do with willing and loving. Also, works of love are attributed to the Holy Spirit. So St. Paul says, quote, in Romans 5, 5, the charity of God is poured forth into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us, end of quote. The attribution of the works of love to the Holy Spirit is based on his origin from the will of the Father and the Son. We infer, therefore, that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son by an act of will. We said previously that the Son proceeds from the Father by an act of intellect. Now we say that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, proceeds by an act of will, an act of love of the Father and the Son. Thus, the fathers of the church, relying on Scripture, this is re-expressing in other ways things that are said in the Bible, in Holy Scripture, they call the Holy Spirit various names. They call him love, charity, gift, living fountain, bond of love, kiss of love. And in the seventh chapter, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as fountains of living water that come within somebody who has the Holy Spirit. For example, and then a gift, like when you give somebody a gift for their birthday or a gift at Christmas time, a gift is directly related to love since a gift is a visible sign of love. A man who loves his wife wants to give a sign to that, he might buy her a new coat or he buys her a piece of jewelry or he sends her flowers or a box of candy or buys her a new car, something like that. Those are gifts that are signs of love. St. Peter uses the word gift in his sermon on the first Pentecost. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He tells all these 3,000 Jews that are gathered together on Pentecost that if they believe in Jesus Christ and repent and are baptized, they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's the gift of the Father and the Son. It's a sign of the love of the Father and the Son for them. So that word gift is another indication that the Holy Spirit proceeds in God by an act of will, by an act of love. Since the Holy Spirit proceeds by an act of will of the Father and the Son, it should be clear that he does not proceed as a perfect image through generation. Remember we said that the second person, the Son, is the only begotten Son of the Father. There's only one Son. That's the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So the Holy Spirit is a perfect image of the Father and the Son, but He's not produced by an act of generation. He's produced by an act of will. So the Holy Spirit then 
is not referred to in Scripture or by the church ever as a son of God or the grandson of God, as some have wanted to say. Only the second person of the Blessed Trinity can be called son. He's the only begotten son. There's only one. We are sons of God and children of God by adoption. We're not the natural sons of God, natural children of God, as the second person is, the Word of God. So only the second person of the Blessed Trinity can be called Son, as we have already explained. Appropriately then, the 5th century Athanasian Creed, which I cited earlier in this series, says, and I quote, The Holy Spirit is not made, nor created, nor generated but proceeds from the Father and the Son. That's extremely important. So make a note of that. I'll say that again. The Athanasian Creed, those of you who have the Denzinger, and kind of a reference to that, Denzinger number 39, you find the Athanasian Creed. The Holy Spirit is not made, nor created, which is kind of the same thing, nor generated, which is something different, but proceeds from the Father and the Son. And we're going to see more about that, but we also mentioned it previously. That terminology comes from the New Testament. That's what Jesus says about himself and about the Holy Spirit, that he proceeds from the Father. The theologians have put a name on that type of proceeding. And they made up a word, which I mentioned, I believe, once before. And they call it spiration from the Spirit, from the noun spirit. So they made up another noun and a verb, spiration or to spirate. And of course, that means to breathe forth. It means a breathing forth. As Jesus in John 20, 21 and 23 is recounted, he breathes on the apostles before he communicates to them the power to forgive sins. Now this word spiration designates the loving activity between the Father and the Son which results in the term of their love, namely the Holy Spirit. So it's because of the love of the Father for the Son and the Son for the Father. As a result of that, there is the procession of the third person by the act of will in God, whom we call the Holy Spirit. So these theologians like Augustine and Aquinas and many of the fathers of the church and popes and so forth and councils, they say that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son through spiration. Spiration, of course, having a relationship to will. This doctrine was clearly taught by the Second Council of Lyons in 1274 and repeated again about 150 years later at the Council of Florence in 1441-1442. So there are three distinct persons, but only one God, so there's only one divine nature or essence which is common to all three. The Father communicates everything that he is, everything that he has to the Son, except to be Father. And the Father and Son communicate everything they have to the Holy Spirit in an act of love, except to be Father and to be Son. They are co-equal in power, majesty, wisdom, and everything else. This is, as we said before, brought out by the baptismal formula that they're on the same level. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, it's all exactly the same all the way across. So this indicates there's an equality. They're on the same level in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The distinction between them is to be found in their origin. The Father, as we saw, has no origin. The Father is unbegotten. He is ungenerated. He's a principle, meaning a source. He's a principle without a principle. He has no source. The Son proceeds from the Father by intellectual generation, by an act of thinking, as we saw. So now the Holy Spirit then proceeds from the Father and the Son as from one principle. The Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father so intensely that their mutual love terminates in the third person of the Blessed Trinity. Accordingly, we are justified in referring to the Holy Spirit as the love of God, the power of God, the Spirit of truth. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as I'm going to send on the church the Spirit of truth. He's referred to as a river of living water in John 7, verse 32, 38, something like that. And the kiss of the Father and the Son. That expression, I believe, comes from St. Augustine. As a kiss is a sign of love, it's a manifestation of love, of mutual affection. So, in human terms, they speak of the Holy Spirit as the kiss of the Father and the Son. It's because of the intense mutual love between the Father and the Son that you have rise of the Holy Spirit. Now, the councils of the church in the Middle Ages, like Lyons and Florence and repeated by Trent, they say that the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, proceeds from the Father and from the Son as from a single principle and from a single spiration. So there's only one activity here of love in God that produces the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then, as the third person in God, is really distinct from the Father and the Son, and true God, just like the other two. It's not Sabellianism. It's not just another name for the Father. And we showed that the church has always rejected the notion of Sabellianism, that these words, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are merely synonyms for the same thing, so that you can say that the Father is the Son and the Father is the Holy Spirit. No, that's not the church's teaching at all. We're saying that there are three distinct divine persons that are co-equal in power and majesty and eternity, all identified with the same divine substance. So we have one God, one substance, but three persons, like three possessors of the one divine essence. The Holy Spirit takes his origin from both the Father and the Son by an imminent procession and communication of one and the same divine essence. The procession, therefore, by an act of will for the Holy Spirit, does not mean a mere temporal mission or something else, but a true production like the procession of the Son from the Father. Now, another point, too, is this is eternal. There was never any beginning of this. There, You can't say there was a time when the Son did not exist or the Holy Spirit did not exist. From all eternity, God has been thinking and willing, and therefore from all eternity, he has been generating the Son, and the Father and the Son have been breathing forth the Holy Spirit. So this brings this 
very challenging notion to us that the inner life of God is a community. The human family is a kind of reflection of that in a certain way. Mother and father and children as a community, which the recent theology of the Council speaks about as the domestic church, is kind of like a reflection of the internal life of the Holy Trinity, of the intense love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this ineffable procession then of the Holy Spirit, as we said, is not generation. And so the Holy Spirit then is not a son, either of the Father or of the Son, which would make him like God's grandson. So that's a way of bringing out the distinction between the various persons in the Holy Trinity. Now this relationship was denied by those who fought against the Holy Spirit in the middle of the fourth century. And they said that the Holy Spirit was a creature who was created by the Word, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. They denied, therefore, that there were three persons in one God. And that heresy was rejected by the Council of Constantinople in the year 381, when Pope St. Damasus was the Pope of Rome at that particular time. The fact that the Holy Spirit is not generated was affirmed in that creed of St. Athanasian Creed that I quoted to you called the Creed of St. Athanasius of the 5th and 6th century as repeated by various councils like the 4th Lateran Council, the 2nd Lyons, the Council of Florence, and so forth. So over and over again, this has been repeated. And so that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son as from a single principle through a single spiration is a defined dogma of the Catholic Church. This is not just an opinion of myself or an opinion of theologians or whatever. This has been defined by the councils of the church as the reality of the procession of the Holy Spirit from the Father and the Son by a single act, as a single principle, and by a single spiration. An indication of that is the fact that the Son is spoken of as the only begotten in John 1.14 and 1.18. Therefore, the Holy Spirit can't be generated. If there's only one Son, and the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, then He can't be a Son. He's got to be something else. Since the second person is always referred to by names expressing sonship or filiation, but the Holy Spirit is never referred to in Scripture in terms of sonship or filiation, it's clear that the written Word of God directs us to think of the origin of the Holy Spirit in a different way. So in that different way is what's known as spiration. That is, because there are two internal activities in God, thinking and willing, the Son proceeds by an act of intellection. Therefore, the other activity is one of will. The Holy Spirit proceeds by an act of will. And also the terms that are used in the Bible to refer to the Holy Spirit, like gift and love and living water, those images, charity, they have a reference to the will. And it's love proceeds from the will. It's for that reason then the Holy Spirit is associated with love in God and is spoken of and said to be the love of God. Or as we saw, the kiss of the Father and the Son. So this then briefly is the presentation that the church makes of how the Holy Spirit comes to be an eternal spiration from the Father and the Son. And so for that reason, the Holy Spirit then is related to holiness and will and sanctification. And he's sent into the church by the Father and the Son 
to lead people back to God in a sense of holiness and sanctification. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.